just a medical treatment for certain problems that they have and want to overcome or even just generally they think uh, that things in bed gonna be better if they eat this crazy bird's nest. People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. All right, Niemann Hao guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dragon for Your China podcast. My name is Eric, and today I want to talk about the hygiene and health system in China. And of course, there's a reason for this, because recently with the outbreak of the coronavirus, there were a lot of questions raised by people. Is China still the uncivilized country that it has been back decades ago? How is the situation there in general? Is it still a, yeah, very polluted and somehow unhealthy country? Um, I know that a lot of people still imagine China being a country full of smoking factories, people eating white animals and wearing face masks all the time. And um, yeah, I want to give you an understanding of this. And first of all, of course, clarify whether that's true or not. And then walk you through some uh, details and thoughts uh, that I had, um, especially now with the coronavirus. How is it actually possible and why did it happen in China in particular? Or is it just coincidence? That's, um, I think, interesting for you guys. And so let me uh, discuss this today. First up, I want to emphasize that health has an extremely high relevance in China and a high importance more than in many other countries of the world. There's no doubt for me about this. In terms of expenses, it accounts for number five. So Chinese um, spend around 9% of their disposable income on health. And um, the life expectancy in China is around 76.8 years. So it's well above the global average of 72.6 years. And if you consider that China is um, still somehow an emerging country, so per capita income, for example, is way lower than many other countries in the world still, then you already realize that there are a lot of things going the right way. Otherwise, you would not have such a high life expectancy. Secondly, when you talk about health in China, it goes hand in hand with nutrition and food. So Chinese actually invest a lot in their food. For them, it's really important to buy high quality food. Not everyone can do this the same way. Sure, because they have different uh, living conditions, different incomes, different uh, opportunities there. But general people really like to invest in their food more than the West. And also the cuisine generally is more diversified. It includes a lot of herbs, a lot of spices, um, different proteins. So historically, Chinese eat quite healthy. And that is also, I think, one of the reasons why the life expectancy in China is comparable high. But of course, uh, you also have a few downsides. So for years already, we know that the oil that is used for cooking is um, partly of a bad quality. You have these incidents where people reuse the oil, which is extremely unhealthy. And another trend that is also clearly existent uh, is that people in China eat more and more junk food and more sugar than they used 
to eat back in the day. So that's a similar development that we have in the West. And this is why today you have more people with diabetes, overweight, cancer, and a lot of illnesses that are consequences of nutrition. Um, of course, I'm not here to uh, teach anybody how to eat, and I'm not the expert in nutrition, but obviously there's a clear correlation between a few things that people eat nowadays and the health of the people. And the same applies to China. The biggest problem for Chinese people when in regards to health is definitely still the environment. I think I mentioned in some earlier episodes that China has a very high uh, lung cancer rate and that is basically due to the environment. Chinese also smoke a lot. There are 400 million Chinese smokers and therefore in total they represent a third of the world's population who is smoking, which is quite a lot of course. But um, the people who die from lung cancer and stuff, most of them, they die because of the environment, because you still have partly really bad air quality in some cities, and that's actually a bigger problem. And unfortunately, there are further issues with the environment that cause health issues, such as uh, contaminated soil and water pollution. But there's definitely a lot of improvement, and uh, people are aware of this. And of course, uh, there's nothing, Nothing you can change from, uh, from one day to another. But uh, in general, you can say the importance of health is extremely high. People definitely do care about it. They are willing to spend a lot of money on this. And of course, they try to improve the environment. What about the health system in China? I think that's interesting, especially now in regards to the virus. China saw it as one of the most important pillars when developing the country, when emerging, when moving forward to have basically the social right that everyone has access to a better healthcare system. And also there, first of all, we have to say that there was really a significant improvement in the system. So nowadays around 90% of people in China have a health insurance in some form. So they're not totally dependent only on themselves or on their family. The problem, however, is that it generally covers only about half of the medical costs, especially the proportion for serious or chronic illnesses is pretty low. In other words, if you have a serious disease, if you have cancer or something like this, then you better be rich, you better have a strong family, or you're basically screwed. And that's a big difference to the West where you get a lot of support, no matter what, up to a certain level. Of course, also in the West, speaking for Europe, if you have more money, it's easier. In America, I also know there's a big difference whether you have money or not, and depending on your insurance. But in China, it's really a lot is going back to your family, or you even have to take loans from a bank. And um, yeah, of course, you have also there, you have public and private medical institutions and different insurance programs in China. The best medical care is definitely available in uh, some foreign-run or um, also in joint venture hospitals. Um, they have really good medical facilities. They are sometimes better than any other part of the world, but you have to afford it and most people can't. And another problem that people have is, apart from the fact that China has increased its investments in health and they establish a lot of basic medical insurance systems, but there's still a lot of what they call out-of-pocket payments. So often the treatment you get is extremely limited. 
And as soon as it gets a bit more serious or the treatment is not that trivial, then you have to pay out of your own pockets, which is very difficult for a lot of people. You also have very high co-pays. So that means that up to a very high amount of money, you first of all always pay for yourself. Also, certain drugs are excluded from the coverage or out-of-pocket expenses are insufficiently reimbursed. And all of this is, of course, a huge burden for a lot of people. And yeah, it's just, let's say, um, they don't have the security partly that other countries have. I also want to add that, well, a lot of things that we see in China is um, applies to a lot of countries in the world. I grew up in Europe. I think we have, in average, we have one of the best systems here. So we are used to this, to have the security. But China is just like any other country that is emerging. They didn't have this back in the decades ago. They didn't have anything like this. And now they try to catch up. And the reason is that, of course, if you want to become an industrialized country and you have certain stability, that is actually, yeah, it is an important uh, base for this. So what is the quality of all these treatments? I mean, cost is one thing, but what do we actually get? And also here, we can basically say that it varies significantly. First of all, the treatment you get in a city is normally much better than on the countryside. A lot of doctors who live on rural areas even move to cities because they earn more. So you can say generally you have better doctors in the cities. Equipment is better, treatment is better, and so on. In general, you have a shortage of doctors and nurses in China. I believe that is the case basically everywhere. I think most countries have this, more or less, especially since uh, a lot of countries uh, become older and older, so populations become older, they need to see doctors more frequently. And uh, another problem is that, um, yeah, doctors are not always properly trained. So um, you have also quality issues and a lot of um, mistrust. Speaking of trust, one of the biggest problems is, I think, generally that people don't trust each other in China. And well, when it comes to such a sensitive topic like medical care, then of course they're even more cautious and afraid of possible fraud or cheating or overcharging and so on. There were also some really uh, terrifying scandals in the past. Uh, you might have heard of this vaccination scandal where companies that tried to stretch the vaccine with some, uh, I'm not sure if it was water or some, some uh, yeah, just some stuff that you should not put as vaccination uh, to make more money or to increase their margins. And uh, they probably have been fined or punished, but definitely not um, adequately. And uh, yeah, that was um, something that they even know words actually how terrifying that is. And of course, a lot of people died from it or are permanently disabled. And of course, this did not exactly lead to um, a higher trust in the health system in China. So what many people do if they can afford to try to get medicine from abroad or they try even to get a treatment overseas. But needless to say, this is not a solution for everyone. So this is still a big issue. Personally, I have to say that I haven't really been to a hospital myself except for my visa processes. So in China, um, I went to a place which was pretty all right, but I am aware that this is not really representative. 
when I was there, it reminded me very much of um, yeah what I would expect in Germany as well, in my home country. But yeah, I know from friends that they say, um, yeah, they don't say it's bad or good. They say it's really so-so, depending, of course, on, on your insurance and how much you pay at the end. And um, yeah, I think the biggest problem is, and this takes time, is really to build up trust. And um, so, yeah, some people, they uh, it sounds maybe a bit funny for us, but they rather rely on their kitchen back home or on the advice of their family and parents or um, a pharmacy rather than going to a hospital unless it's absolutely necessary. Okay, enough about the health system. Let's go to the real interesting stuff. Let's go to hygiene and to um, the other question where Chinese eat crazy and unhealthy and dangerous stuff. And yeah, also here, let's let me start with a very general statement. Most Chinese do not eat wild animals or any crazy things, at least crazy in our definition, that is actually not common anymore. Personally, I never saw it and I don't have any friends, colleagues or anyone who would do that. For most Chinese, it would be just as disgusting to eat a rat as it is for us. Is it still existent in China? Yes, of course, but you have to really search for it. If you want to eat something very crazy or disgusting with a certain risk for yourself, of course, yes, you're going to find it, but you have you have to dig a bit for that, right? Why do people eat this? We often think that they're extremely cruel or it's because it's extremely tasty for them. Most of the time, it is because they think it's really good for their health. So for health reasons, some people, they have very serious disease and then they believe that this might be one of the only ways. Of course, especially guys, they like to eat and drink a lot of weird stuff because they believe it will uh, help their erectile dysfunction or is a, yeah, just a medical treatment for certain problems that they have and want to overcome or even just generally they think uh, that, um, yeah, things in bed going to be better if they eat this crazy bird's nest. I think you can compare it a bit to a drug. As long as there are things that are forbidden, it is also tempting for people to do it. For some, it's a special kick. And of course, for people who sell it, it's interesting because the margins are quite high. It's, uh, a lot of things are illegal. And of course, if you can offer them, you get some nice profits from it. What you also should keep in mind is that this is nothing that only happens in China. You have people in Korea eating dogs. You have people in Indonesia eating bats. But I think why we are blaming China partly for this is that we now expect China to be more civilized because they're so advanced in many fields. And then for us, it's not really understandable why they still do this. And that brings me to the last point that I want to talk about today. Because many people say that some of the world's um, biggest epidemics can be traced back to China. And now with the coronavirus, a lot of people ask, why China? And here's my theory, or actually my answer, if you ask me why that happened in China. China's economy grew extremely rapidly. China is a very developed country in many areas, and also now part of our global system. And also China has a really large population. It's still the largest population in the world with 1.4 billion. And all these factors together 
are a potential threat and a certain risk when it comes to epidemic outbreaks. If you put a large number of people together and you still have a, let's say, partly culture and environment with a lot of animals, a lot of wildlife, then there's, of course, a risk of such an outbreak. We don't know whether it was really the wild animal market in Wuhan. I want to emphasize this. So it could be that there's a total different reason. But assuming it happened there, then you can say in China things are still very different than from West. It's just the fact that all the hygiene standards and regulations for slaughterhouses and urban markets where animals partly are freshly butchered, they're just not as strict as back in the West. That's a fact. And so there's a higher risk in regards to um, yeah, animals and viruses and epidemic outbreaks. But we should not make the mistake to mix things up or to generalize too much because now within the last 20 years we have those two incidents and in this case we are not even 1% sure where that really came from this wildlife market. Why can it spread so fast in China? That's also a good question. That is because people hang out a lot and they hang out together and especially old people. We have this party as well, let's say, in South Europe, in some other Asian countries, in maybe Africa. But, for example, in Europe, people don't hang out that much together, especially old people. You're more likely to do your own thing. But in China, old people, they go to parks together, they sing, they dance, they are all out there, they eat outside. It's way more vibrant than in Europe. And that's why it spread so quickly in the beginning, especially in Wuhan, which was obviously the center of all this. As we see, China now, and that's the yeah thing that is so disturbing because we saw that China handled things quite well with the infrastructure, but also apparently the entire health system cannot be so bad because the death rate overall was at the end pretty low. And also how they handled it, how the, um, yeah, how the entire country worked together was pretty well. So that tells us, wow, China is really developed here. But just the fact that the coronavirus broke out in China is very disturbing for some of us. And that's a characteristic of China. China is full of a lot of contrast, a lot of paradox events. You, On one hand, you have this huge development. China is extremely modern. And on the other hand, it's the very traditional based on their customs and based on their... Uh, yeah, their values that reached back uh, decades ago. And so sometimes that's hard to combine. And then these extremes, when they come together, then it's going to be like this. And, and in this case, you maybe can say that the modern China clashed into the traditional China. And with that, a disease spread, which is maybe the consequence of a very old and rare behavior of some people basically met a globalized and modern China and spread with a extreme pace all over the planet. And now it's even threatening Europe and America. But again, I think we should not generalize too much. We don't even know the real reason. We don't even know why it broke out. And also don't make the mistake to say this is typical for China. Because chances are this can happen somewhere else. It happens, in fact, it happened elsewhere as well. Just that now China is, China is everywhere and this is why also the virus 
spread everywhere. If this happened 30 years ago, it wouldn't be such a big thing. But now China is so important for our world that, uh, yeah, such an outbreak can change our lives so much and can basically have a huge impact. Hopefully, not a long-term impact. I'm still very optimistic that we can cope with it. As I speak, China is doing much better already. And hopefully we see a similar trend very soon in Europe and also America. What do you think about this? That's important for me. Do you still have these um, biases and beliefs that would be interesting to know for me? And also, um, if you, um, yeah, maybe you, you still doubt what I'm talking about. That would be very interesting for me because I would be curious. I'm, I'm really curious how people perceive China. I know that, uh, let's say, the image and reputation of China will definitely suffer with all of this. Whether it's their fault or not, does not really matter too much because it broke out there. And uh, yeah, if you have any feedback or comments on this, please let me know either directly in your podcast app or the easiest way you can just comment on my Instagram post about this episode and uh, yeah, we, we can discuss it. All right, that's it. Stay healthy and I see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Dragonfolio China podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net and sign up for the free newsletter.